All right, we are continuing in our series uh, enough, and we're going to go back, spend a little time in the Old Testament on some stories. Today we're going to talk, as I said to the children, we're going to talk about Jacob and a pivotal moment in his life, but a pivotal moment in the narrative of the gospel, of, of God's salvation. We see the line of Abraham, the promise, the covenant, um, God continually being faithful uh, to his promise. All right, the scripture comes from Genesis um, 32, beginning in verse 22. Listen for the word of the Lord. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all of his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called that place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Some of you that were here last week might be going, wow, Jim read that really well. <laughs> All right? Super huge prints. All right? Yes. And stronger glasses, so... I think I've solved my problem. All right, so this is this story about God, uh, Jacob wrestling with God. Um, and there's some features about this. I mean, we, we know the bigger picture. We've talked about the, the biblical narrative. We never want to get lost and forget where this is in the actual biblical narrative of he's becoming Israel, and um, that's going to be the beginning of the many nations in in as we go through God's promise and covenant uh, with Abraham. Um, but there's some aspects when we're talking about this series about enough, you know, we're focusing on these individuals a little bit, uh, kind of the human nature side of this. And so we see Jacob, and now if you remember, Jacob was a scoundrel. He was kind of a grifter, manipulator, um, you know, going back, he, he uh, kind of tricked Esau out of his birthright and then his blessing. He had this whole scam with the speckled sheep and with his father, father-in-law. And so he was always trying to get ahead. He was always trying to work an angle. Um, and that didn't make him popular with a lot of people, right? There's a couple times that he's uh, running for his life. And in this situation, he's getting ready to kind of deal with some of his past. 
because he's getting ready to meet his brother Esau and he's not sure how that's gonna go. So he's a little nervous. That's why he was sending everybody across and, and all his kind of finagling left him alone. And I think that's one of the key aspects if you look at the human nature side of this is that he was left alone because he was gonna do some wrestling with God. And oftentimes we try to keep ourselves so busy because we don't want to be left with ourselves, with our thoughts, with our past, with our struggles, with our sins. And so we just put on mask, as we've talked about before, and just keep on going. And we don't really want to look deep inside. We all have flaws. We've all sinned. We all fall short of glory of God. We all have our quirks. We all have our struggles. There's, there's stuff to look at. So don't, don't say, hey, I don't have anything to look at. I, don't need, I can be alone. We all have stuff. Some stuff we deal with it. Some stuff we just keep pushing it down, pushing it down. And it's those times that when we're alone with ourself that we begin to wrestle. And when you wrestle with God, a big part of that is you're wrestling with yourself. It starts with us, right? How, how, does, how does the gospel start? How, how are we, do we enter in with a relationship with God? We confess our sins. You say, I'm a sinner. And I need God. I need Jesus. So it, it starts with looking inward. And oftentimes, it's not until we admit our weaknesses that we admit our struggles, that anything's going to be done about it. If you have a broken leg and you just hobble around on it and you never go acknowledge, oh, no, it's just a sprain or it's just bruised, or, and you never go to the doctor, you never acknowledge that there's a real problem, it's not going to get fixed. In the same way, we start with ourselves. That's where the gospel starts, admitting our weaknesses. So we all, we say Jesus went to the cross and died for us. He did. He took on the physical demands of justice and judgment of sin and evil. But in a way, we, all, we still all have to go through the cross. Maybe not physically, but we got to look at ourselves and why did Jesus die for me? What is my sins? Where are my struggles? And so we all have to go through the cross. And so we all have to kind of wrestle with ourselves. And sometimes the best way to do that is when we are alone. But oftentimes we, we live in a society where we're just so busy. We, we've... we've made busyness a virtue, right? Oh, I'm so busy, right? And it's, it's not a virtue. Sometimes we miss parts of life because we're so busy. And so we have to take some time to examine ourselves. We have to wrestle with ourselves. We have to admit our weaknesses. We have to... Um, Examine our hearts, 
and the dark places that we don't want to go? We have to look at all that. But, and the church is responsible for some of this. Um, Ron Smith says, there was a time when people went to church to, and heard truth and wept over their sins. Today, people go to church, hear a motivational speech and tells them how great they are and that they could do better. We need to wrestle with ourselves. You know, I love, you know, I, this is always a good sign. We're in Texas. And so every now and then I get a, somebody, boy, you stepped on my toes today. Right? Well, that's a good thing. You know, we all have, we have those times where we go and we hear inspired and we're an inspired message or an uplifting message and we're in a good place and we're encouraged. Sometimes we come and we get encouraged and edified and built up, but sometimes we need to be convicted. We need to examine our hearts and have the, the Holy Spirit open our hearts to those places we don't want to go. So Jacob's wrestling with himself, and, and he, he, it says it touched the socket, right? And so he, he came out with a limp. He came out a little beat up. And when we wrestle with God and we wrestle with ourselves, it's going to hurt a little bit. You know, especially if, we're, if there's things we don't want to face. And we might come out a little beat up, and, and the harder you are, the, the stronger your will, and I'm speaking to myself here, the harder you, it is to fall. But God will use as much pressure to get your attention as he needs so that you can come out of that and be like Jacob. He is transformed. He's not the same person. Now, he's not perfect from this point on as Israel but he's not the same grifter that he used to be. He is a changed man. He has been transformed. He changes his name. For all we know, he's got that limp for the rest of his life. So he's a little beat up, but he's transformed. And, and boy, it, it's worth it. It makes it... Um, yeah, I shared with you last, a few weeks ago, I think, about um, the prisoner, right, that said, yeah, I'm in here for my whole life, but I'm freer in here than I was out, ever out there. And so sometimes, yeah, we still might have to suffer some consequences from our actions, but God still transforms us. God still uses those things to transform our hearts and our lives. And we just have to, in the last lesson we learned from Jacob is that desperation, right? We've seen that in all of these people. They're, they come to a point of passion and desperation that they, in the New Testament, that they needed Jesus. And he comes to this point that he's wrestling uh, and he's experiencing this fight with himself and with God. And he grabs a hold and he says, I will not let you go until you bless me. And that's the attitude we need to have as Christians. That we grab a hold of God, we grab a hold of Jesus, and say, I will not let you go. In spite of anything. 
right? I'm going to hang on to you no matter what. No matter what, I'm not going to let you go. And that's when the world comes at us. That's when struggles come at us. That's where hurt and pain, it's in, in the face of our failures and our struggles. I'm not going to let you go even in spite of me. Even in spite of me, I'm not going to let you go. And we have to, uh, what happens oftentimes, people will, whatever their issue is in their life, they might backslide or they might do something they regret or behavior, whatever it is, and they feel so bad, they don't come to church. They don't, they, they, they let go of God, oh, I'm not worthy. So, yes, Exactly. You're not worthy. You're just reminded of that because you just failed. You backslid. So you just have a, the, the best starting point ever. But you have to not let God go. You have to have. I remember, I, don't, I haven't said too much about my past, but I was um, young. You know, I played football in high school and uh, we were very good, and so we had a little, I, I was your typical kind of jock, self-centered, partying guy. And then I was going to go play football in college, but then um, my social life got in the way of football, and then, then my social life got in the way of school, and, and I eventually got back in school and graduated from University of Illinois in Chicago. I might have told you this. I'm from Indiana, and I've started at Indiana. And so in Indiana and Illinois, don't get along as far as schools. They're rivals. And I grew up in Indiana, in Bloomington, and I went to school there, and I wanted to graduate there. And because I got a little wayward, I left Indiana, and... I graduated from the University of Illinois at Chicago. So if you see my undergraduate degree, it says University of Illinois. It's like saying Packers, right? <laughs> it says the University of Illinois. So I have to look at my degree and it says Illinois on it. So I just tell people, wages of sin right there, <laughs> right? But I remember there was a time I got out of school, my wife and I got married, and I was in my early 20s or mid-20s at this point, and I was a new Christian. I don't know if I told you this story. If I didn't, it's been a while and you've probably forgotten. And I didn't know. I was brand new to this. You know, but I kind of had one foot in the world and one foot in um, this new church life this new faith, and I was um, coming, and we had just moved down, hadn't had kids yet, I was fresh. Anyway, I backslid. My wife was a flight attendant, she went out, and she was flying somewhere, and I went out with a friend. And I was pretty, I think if you're going to do something, you need to do it well. So I was a pretty good partier. But anyway, it came to the end of the night, and I was driving home, and it was, I, this makes it a little dramatic, but it, it was like the temptation to do that, 
Satan came, gave me that temptation. I fell, and when I was done and it was over and I was going home, I was like, it's like he left, and I'm just left there with what I did. You know, and then we're just left there with our, what we did. And so I'm like, trying to figure this out. Okay, I was at this Christian thing. I've been working at it, been trying. I thought I was doing good. This wasn't really good. What do I do now? What do I do now? And it was a Holy Spirit moment because I didn't know. I mean, I was, I talked to myself in the car to this day. I work at my sermon. So, I mean, I was like, gosh, I was mad. And I was like, what do I do now? And then just out of my mouth, after I got done yelling at myself, out of my mouth came, I'm not going to stop. No matter how many, I might lose this, I might lose that, I might fail here, I might die. I was just ranting and raving. And I said, but I'm never, ever, ever going to stop trying to be the man you're trying to make me. In other words, I'm never going to let you go, even in spite of myself. And I had this peace. I didn't hear it audibly, but I felt it in here. God said, I can work with that. So we have to wrestle with ourselves, even though sometimes it's painful. But we have to know that God has a plan. God was working his plan with Jacob, in spite of Jacob, in spite of who he was, and in spite of all of that, he was working out his plan of salvation for all creation. So God has a plan, a macro plan and a micro plan. He was using Jacob in his macro plan, but he was also working micro in his heart and in his life, and changing it. And God wants us, wants to do that for us. And we're going to make mistakes, and we're going to backslide. But you just got to hold on and say, I'm never going to let you go. Because God's never going to let you go. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. I thank you for your faithfulness. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us that steadfastness, that passion, that desire that we would grab a hold of you with all our being and never let you go. Because God, you never let us go. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.